Hello, Doug, and a very special guest. Yeah, we have our own Heather Longclear joining the podcast. <laughs> Hi. That would be the laughter of Juan's special fiance, Alyssa Marr. Hello, everyone. Hi, Welcome Alyssa. back. Thanks for having me. So we're at week number 9,673 <laughs> of our quarantine, and how's everybody doing? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we are, the the first answer is we are healthy. Yeah. Good. Um, having a lot of job woes and boss woes in the middle of all of these other scares. Um, so we'll see how those play out. These are woes we don't need. Who feels like working for Amanda right now? I probably would because anything goes at D&D. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. So, okay, we're at uh, season four, episode 23, and this is called Run, Billy, Run. Yeah, it's a lot of Billy. It is a lot of Billy. Bad, bad Billy Campbell. Oh, it's a lot of Billy. So, um, I guess our cold open. Yeah, so I'm not sure that this is right after where we left off the episode before, when he, like, basically proposed for them to be roommates again at the wedding, or if this is just, like, a few days have gone by and the routine is that they're sleeping over at each other's places since still living separately. I kind of got the feeling that it was, like, the next day, because her reaction was like, oh, shit, what I do? <laughs> The only reason I'm like, but does that make sense is because it's a work day. It's a weekday morning. And so I'm like, would the wedding really have been on a Wednesday night or whatever it is? Time but doesn't matter. That's me looking too closely. Yes, Time it's true. Time doesn't matter on Melrose Place. <laughs> We're fine. And, you know, it is cheaper to have a wedding on a weekday than it is on the weekend. Well, it's not like they had to rent the beach. I'm just saying. I mean, it probably cost a pretty penny, though, to throw that together. Unless, like, I don't know, Kimberly was, like, slaving away cooking her own, you know, food for her own wedding party. Yeah, and I don't believe she was. I wouldn't eat anything she cooked. No, I wouldn't either. So, basically, um, we have the cold open, and Allison wakes up in Billy's bed, and he's a douchebag. And what was all of that business that he was doing to woo her? <laughs> you, mean, you mean like imitating Rudolph Valentino? Yeah, with an accent that would never have been Rudolph Valentino's. Yeah. I said to Alyssa, I know that's not what Rudolph Valentino sounded like, and he worked in the silent films. <laughs> and I will say this too, just all overall episode, we got lots of barely dressed Billy. Yes. Like, it but was, like, we... Billy without a shirt, Billy in his underwear. But like, it was, like, like lots of barely-dressed Billy. Yeah. Yeah, he was very much on display. Yeah. So if he's your eye candy, this is the episode for you. <laughs> also, if he's your eye candy, you need help. <laughs> you need new eyes. So, okay, so the best thing to me for this call open was how Allison was so super regretful and it was like hilariously, it was like, it was like she got blind drunk the night before and woke up and was like, oh no, what did I do? And that was just like basically her reaction to waking up in Billy's bed. 
Right. But which also points to just how stupid Allison is, because we have to believe she's still sober right now. Right. And so why are you doing this, girl? Although I don't think after this episode that's going to happen much more often. She can't quit him. She just can't quit him. She can't quit him. I could. (laughs) Oh, I wish we could. I wish we could all. Yeah. Yeah. I I say to Doug week after week, I'm like, no matter, he always lands on his feet no matter what he does. No matter what happens to Billy, no matter what he does, he always comes out on top. Yeah, failing upward. And in this, yeah, and in this episode in particular, he um, he he is sort of like flying high on the ice cream pitch that he won. I guess it was last episode. God, it feels so long ago. Um, and so he's he's flying high on that, and he wants to pitch uh, an airline. Right, um, that's going to be their D and biggest account. Yeah. Um, and he decides that he's going to use a little subterfuge. To get this business, <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen anything like that since '80s movies. These moves of Billy. I, this is this this episode or Billy's behavior in these episodes are firmly planted in 1987. Yeah, which firmly. I kind of respect. So, yeah. uh- <laughs> so basically, like Billy has got I don't know swagger, or or he's trying to swagger. And, um, and, and he essentially shows up at, um, Bobby's house in the middle of the night. Bobby and Amanda are in their robes, more bathrobes. We had robes. And, yeah, a lot of robes. And he, like, essentially says, like, I'm getting, we're, we're I'm, I want to pitch midway. And he, like, finagles her doubling his salary if, if he gets the deal. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got he brings her a manila folder full of quote unquote research and pitchings. Right, and so she finally gives in and she agrees to it. He hands off the folder and it's filled with blank paper. Yeah. Wait, did we forget the part where he like tells everyone at D and D on his team that they have to stay late to read aviation history? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> later. Yeah, that's that's after Amanda agrees. Okay. <laughs> That's after Amanda agrees that she will double his salary and he plays her. Um, then all of a sudden D&D has all these employees. I was like, where did they come from? I've been always asking, like, who are these other people that are floating around <laughs> the company? Interestingly, this is, I think, the first episode where we learned the name of one of the other co-workers. His name is Guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going to be around sporadically for a few seasons where they have to like mention another person that works with them. It's guy who works at D and D. So congratulations. We just met guy. So he's one of the ones that's got to read AV decades of aviation history to help them win this account. Billy meanwhile has another trick up his sleeve. Yeah. Billy decides that he is going to literally sleep with the enemy to try and get information about this rival ad agency's pitch. Now, this rival ad agency, um, Brooks and Enright, see what they did there? I see. Brooks. Brooks. Do you see? See what they did? Um, no, the ghost of Brooks. 
is not bad. You might be giving them a lot. You might be giving them a lot of extra credit. But I yes. know, I know, I am. And so, uh, yeah. So he shows up at some Mardi Gras party. That was so random. Yeah. Well, I don't know. L.A. people. What can I say? I don't, like, couldn't it? It could have been like anything. And it's like all of a sudden it's a Mardi Gras party. What What month did this episode go out on? Was it around Mardi Gras? <laughs> it- it was in February. It was right around Mardi Gras when it aired. Yeah. Okay, because I was like, this is so bizarre. Like, why are we, like, why does it have to be a Mardi Gras party? But now that makes some more sense. And so he basically infiltrates this party, finds, I guess, the woman that runs the agency. Um, and this agency has landed this airline account for the past, I don't know, however many decades, right? Like, they always get the get the account. Seems like, yeah. And he basically, like convinces her that she needs to hire him and also sleep with him. Yeah. And he goes home with her and and she just she just caves and spills all the campaign secrets. Well, yeah, so he gets in bed with her and by the way, she had like these four year old <laughs> like bedspread and sheets and comforter. Um I don't mean like she bought them four years earlier. I mean like if I had a four year old that's what he or she would sleep in. Um, I feel like those were in in the nineties though. I have no idea they were for for adults? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't okay. even notice them. What were they? I don't know. It looked like it had like rocket ships or Paddington type things. No, thing it had it. like a lot of like squiggles and like bright, like bright colors and bold patterns. Was this was <laughs> this during the Melissa Frank heyday? Because I could see that. You have to tell me who Melissa Frank is. Alyssa, you know who Melissa Frank is, right? Lisa Frank. Oh, Lisa Frank. I'm sorry, Lisa Frank. Yes. But they were just very. They were. It was like darker colors. Warm, dark colors. I don't know. They they felt very 90s to me. Like, I feel like those were in at the time. Okay. Fair enough. So, Billy goes home with Evie. And part of their pillow talk afterward is she basically tells them what their plan is. But it's not like she lays out what their new pitch is. All she tells them is, it's the same pitch we used for this other airline account last year. We just recycle it over and over again. And that's enough for him to go on, come the next scene. But it's not like she was like, our pitch is this. Our theme is blah, blah, blah. So, yes, he got it out of her by getting her into bed. But it's not like it was a huge unraveling either. No. Um, and I guess if he hadn't forced everybody to read about airline <laughs> aviation history, maybe they would have figured that out. Because wouldn't you just, like, look at the last few airline pitches that they had done? Yeah, wouldn't you, know? you just, like, double check on your competitors? Yeah, that's like, sort of what they've been doing. So, anyway. Yeah. This is my favorite scene in the episode when when uh, Billy is is smirking to himself in the mirror after sleeping <laughs> with her. <laughs> He's like so proud. Another shirtless Billy scene. And He's so proud of himself. I mean, the hamming that was going on yeah. with him. I mean, he, it was like, he just was like hamming it up. And he's a terrible actor. He terrible. is the worst. It, you know what this episode and this storyline is kind of like, though I don't think it to be true, it's like... The Empire striking back and Billy or Andrew Shu was like, I want to reclaim my status as the male lead of the show. And this is the storyline they tried to use to propel him back there. But 
his storylines remain so far to the side. That doesn't really happen. It's just like, let's try and give Billy some mojo after kind of being dumb and henpecked and lied to for the last year and change. Um, and because he's a bad actor and because it's a bad story, it doesn't matter. The other thing that got me about his scenes is like every scene he kept like bellowing, you snooze, you lose. That's the theme. <laughs> yeah, he says that that's how they bookend the episode. I even remembered that from 24 years ago. I was telling Alyssa. I mean, it was like you snooze. I mean, it was, and he's bellowing it. It was like, I was, I was seriously, I how, what, no, like, no wonder he got out of acting because he is just bad and he would probably never get another job after Melrose Place. Yeah, I don't know if he tried very hard. I hope not. Anyway, um, so yeah, they do the pitch, and the pitch was terrible. Yeah, it was just like the Wright brothers created airplanes. Now you have airplanes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't anything. Like it was nothing. It was like yeah, it was, was like our airplanes now have engines. Ride them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we fly in the air. Like what? Yeah, it made it made absolutely no sense. And I mean, you know, I thought that the pitch for the ice cream was at least kind of clever. Yes, I agree. You know, like the writers put a little bit of like work into it, you know, to come up with something that was believable that you would they would like land this this account. No, this was just like no. It was I was I was like, what the hell is going on here? Well, needless to say, um, they got the account, and. Uh, and pretty much the minute that they get the call, like, seriously, like, everybody cheers and in walks poor Evie. Straight, yep. straight into Storms in. Storms in. No security. Again. Oh, yeah. Every week we say, is there a receptionist at D&D? Like, is there HR? Is there no. anybody but... <laughs> like, no, but Allison was... used to be the receptionist. Yeah. So maybe they, they never, never filled the role. They never replaced yeah. her. Yeah, that, uh, that front desk is just drawing dust for years now. Um, no, but the one thing Amanda alluded to in one of these scenes, she talks about her bosses and what they're going to think. And I was yeah. like, wait, oh, Amanda, you do have bosses. It would be nice to see them sometime. I thought but, she owned the agency. I, that's That was sort of puzzling because I was like, where the hell are her bo- bosses? I thought she owned the agency. She seems to be the face of it, but I guess she does not own it. She just essentially runs it. Um, a couple seasons from now, she will be working at a different agency and will be the owner. Okay. So confusing. So basically, Evie confronts him, slaps him. You slept with me to steal our strategy. And Allison is, of course, shocked. Shocked. Appalled. Shocked and appalled. Um, And we're just going to wrap this up uh, with Billy getting drunk, going to Melrose Place Courtyard, Mm -hmm. basically, you know, pulling uh, Stella outside of <laughs> how dare you outside of Allison's door and um, she's just ignoring him and that's when we get another you snooze you lose and he just... you okay you lose bye <laughs> <laughs> who's the loser now Billy because he goes into his apartment by himself and pops the champagne and drops the bottle and he just is like, 
like like the, the the whole episode ends right like we end at this with the episode and i don't understand why this was the cliffhanger because it was so stupid it was like just the camera panning in tight onto his like stupid expression on his face and like champagne is like dribbling down his chin yeah it's like all the money in the world can't buy you love but it can buy you acting classes <laughs> but you gotta go and take but you them. gotta go <laughs> Just paying for them won't make you a good actor. So, you know, I guess because we opened and closed with this storyline, this was considered the, the the meat of the episode. This was the A storyline, and it was literally Gigi. crap. <laughs> literally, yeah. Literally crap on the bottom of my shoe. It was terrible. Um. Yeah. It, I I just think the Billy stuff is terrible for a long time. Yeah. So I, you know, yeah, hideous. Yeah. Moving yeah. on. Uh, far, yeah. Don't. No. 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 Let's. Anyone who's listening, if you've been watching along or remember back when this aired, do you remember it differently that you really were a Billy Stan? Because let us know why. We really would like to know. <laughs> Alyssa, uh, I mean, don't let us speak for you. What are your thoughts on Billy and Andrew Shu? Well, I said, well, like I said earlier, it's like no matter what Billy does, he always comes out unscathed. And every woman wants to sleep with him. You know, any job he wants, he just gets everything. He fails upward. And I, I said it once. I said that, you know, Jake in the show is, the good guy and Billy is the nice guy. Like, he's the type of person to be like, what do you mean? I'm a nice guy. I'm just trying to be nice. You know, he's one of those guys um, you hear about so often now. <laughs> um, but he's he's terrible. I can't remember a redeeming thing he's done since probably, like, season one. Yeah, I agree. Back when he wanted to be Hemingway and he owned a cab. <laughs> oh my god remember that <laughs> but he's he's awful he's awful I awful and it doesn't help that Andrew Shue makes those dumb faces and is such a bad actor no it, it detracts in fact quite a bit yeah it feels like the writers didn't know what to do with a nice guy character like they're trying to create uh, what started when you when you do think back to season one, episode one, right? Like, he was kind of naive. He was kind of sweet. He was kind of boy next door. And he's really turned yeah. into a... He's really turned into a monster. Yeah, but I think it's tricky, too, because what do you do on a show like this with your nice characters? If you keep them nice forever, no one's going to like them. But when you try and change them from their true identity, we don't buy it. And typically... Sometimes the actor can't sell it. Well, <clears throat> Josie Bissett. Compare him to Jake, where it's like, Jake is a pretty good person, but he's got flaws, and he mess, and he's, like, messed up sometimes, and we see that. But whereas, like, I don't think the show ever judges Billy for what he does. It's, he no, I comes agree. Off, he always comes off fine. You know, like, we're... Like, he's the protagonist. He's the hero of the show. But he continues to step on people and use women and be awful. Yeah, that's what we see. I think now is this storyline is truly the worst of it. 
But, um, I mean, look, he's always going to be the worst character on the show. Is it worse than last week, uh, co-worker by day, lovers by night? (laughs) Alyssa had wanted me to say that last week when Billy does that proposal to Allison at the end. He goes, co-workers by day, lovers by night. And Alyssa lost it. Like, (laughs) That would have been enough to say no. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Ugh. So bad. The writing for his character is just, I mean, off the charts. I mean, I don't know. It's like the writers gave up. They were like, Andrew Shu will never deliver a decent line reading, so let's just give him crappy lines. Oh, yeah. We always say, we're like, that must have been take number 400, and they were just like, go with it. <laughs> they were like, we give up. We just give up. Just do it. Just, it's fine. We're, we're, we're running into overtime here. Let's, we're done. Okay, I'm tired of Billy. Let's talk about Matt. Yeah, it won't be a long conversation. No, he's he was seriously in what one scene? He's got one scene, and he does like the last segment of the show happens, and you know you get like this is the Amanda storyline, this is the Jane storyline, this is the Billy storyline. There's no Matt. Matt's like we get one scene in the middle of the episode, and we move on. So. Let's sum it up and move on. Well, the thing that sucks, too, is I think out of all the stories that are playing out right now, right, right now, his is kind of the most compelling. I know you think that. Alyssa, do you think it's a compelling story, or do you just think they're squandering a good actor and a potentially good character? Um, a little bit of both. But I think what Matt's storylines are, I have, like, secondhand embarrassment for Matt all the time because he's such an idiot. Like... He's a good person, too, but he is so naive. They write him to be so naive and, like, so stupid. Like, no one who's that smart would make the decisions he makes. And I think it's because, like, that cliche of, like, you always write gay characters that can't be happy. Like, I just, they just didn't know how to write him. And they didn't have, like, the conviction to write, like, let's just give him, like, a happy relationship. So they're, like, so stupid. Like, it's secondhand embarrassment. I think that it was more, I don't know. I don't know that it was about, because let's face it, nobody on the show ever has their happy ending. Um, You know, so why would they give it to Matt? That's true. You know, so I kind of feel like with this, we could have a very meaty story, because let's face it, Whatever Alan is going through in terms of having to closet his homosexuality because he is an actor and he and he is beginning to gain some prominence is a very real thing. Even back in mm-hmm. 1997, where, where are we? What year are we? Uh, 96. 96. I mean, because think about it. it. was, um, oh shit, what was his name? The actor that, uh, Rupert, was it Rupert Everett? Rupert? I mean, that's the, that's the real actor yeah Rupert Everett right he when did he sort of he started doing some higher profile movies around around this time right like 97 yeah my best friend's wedding was about a year and a half after this yeah and he was sort of the first one that was the first actor that I can think of that was completely and totally 100% out of the closet and and he struggled even even though yeah. he had these very prominent roles he had a very prominent friendship with Madonna you know he was you know he was very well ta- you know talked about but i remember his career floundering and a lot of people felt like it was because 
you know, he was gay and it was like, nobody would trust him or give him that sort of lead role slash love interest, which, you know, you're seeing now finally what we're talking, what, 20, 30 years later, you know, where we have these actors, particularly on TV who are coming out as gay. Um, you know, like, I think there were two of them in the, in the Arrowverse and, but they were very prominent love interests of other, of, of female characters on the show, you know? And, and so that doesn't seem to be an issue, you know, it's selling the characters anymore like it used to be back then. So this was a very real sticking point for a lot of actors, um, for all actors really. And so I think that this is a legitimate thing that they could have that they could have played, they could have played a part and they could have expanded and they could have talked about more and, um, and, and given more than just kind of a passing scene to, um, I, and I think that it would have been, it, it would have been groundbreaking and it would have been one of those things that you talk about beyond, Oh, look, nighttime TV has their first openly gay character. Because that's, that's all they did because they did nothing with him. Yeah. I mean, everything, you know, it's groundbreaking and that Doug Savant was the first openly gay character in the opening credits, blah, blah, blah. But they, it's lip service. It's face value because they didn't do anything with it. They didn't explore anything. They didn't break new ground beyond that. And the storylines were pretty much like, okay, what is the next cliche they can do for, you know, a gay professional who is still in the closet or a gay professional who has to deal with discrimination or an aid scare or something like that. It did it hit those and nothing more. Yeah. But I'm also, I mean, I watched it in real time, so I can't be surprised, but even in hindsight, I'm not surprised that they didn't do more. Cause I just can't see any network having done anything more on any show in that time. Also, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. When was the last time Matt had a scene with somebody else at Melrose Place? Um, they're usually at the hospital, not even at Melrose Place, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Matt is such a such a outlier in the show, and I guess he always had like, other than his like Michael Sydney stuff, like. They never find a good way to incorporate him in with the rest of the group. I don't know where he'd fit in, given where the storylines are now, but it's like they just don't know what to do with him. I guess that's why they made him get the job at Shooters, right? Because at least oh, he was right, interacting right. with Jake. he's forced to interact, yeah. Yeah, like he's, um, he's forced to sort of have some sort of interaction with somebody outside, you know, inside that. Yeah. It actually would have been a cool thing if, you know, that double date when Brooke died and it was Billy and Allison, Jane and Jake. It would mm-hmm. have been cool if it was Billy and Allison and Matt and Alan or something like that. Yeah, because... Why not? But, Alan is living with him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he didn't even have another home. Yeah, he's living yes. there. Right. Yeah. So it's like we don't even see him, you know, have any of the other guys met Alan? Like... No, the only interaction he had was when Kimberly came by to tell oh, right. Alan about Matt's a, history. Yeah. He got arrested for murder. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They could have, have definitely integrated him so much better just with his neighbors in those scenes. I mean, there were plenty of opportunities for it, for sure. And Hell, hell, Matt is so segregated, he's not even there in the big scene when Kimberly bombs Melrose Place. <laughs> 
So, I mean, so the gist of it is Matt and Alan are still sort of dealing with the fact that, you know, Alan is now uh, supposed to marry his co-star, even though she's gay, too. Um, and and basically, uh, Matt finds out that there's going to be a honeymoon. Um, and they have this conversation at the hospital, of all places, right? Was it at the hospital? Yes, I they're walking so, around yeah. the hospital because that other guy who took his place is there. Yeah, because David is there, and David overhears the whole thing, and... Um, and and Al, especially the, the tail end when Allison tells uh, Matt to that he wants him at the bachelor party that's happening that night, <laughs> and and um, and, and uh, David makes some comment about Matt being should be Ethel Merman jumping out of the cake. Uh, I didn't even remember that. Yeah, it was really it was really great. It was like he says he makes a crack about how 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 Matt should jump out of the cake and be Ethel Merman. Nice. Real nice. Yeah. So that was that. All right. So there we go. That was Matt. <laughs> We've talked about him more than he was on screen, as usual. Yeah, And you know who else had very, not a whole lot to do in this episode was Michael and Kimberly. Yeah. There's a little bit there. Well, their, their honeymoon for the new wedding. Um, and Sydney dressed like little orphan Annie is still pouting about the whole thing. But there's something new starting with Kimberly, which leads to another one of my least favorite storylines for her and for this season. Um, we've got like nine episodes to go, so that'll be ramping up pretty soon, is my guess. Which is basically that Michael is just bad news for Kimberly, right? Is that what we're leading into? Well, she's like having headaches and a lot of nightmares from the past and, you know, like, when she died the first time and the bombing and Michael trying to kill her and blah, blah, blah. Um, there's a bit more to it than that. There's a bit more to it than just Michael and her being bad for each other. And that's all I'll say right now. Okay. And, and okay. So that was kind of all that essentially happened and Sid just kind of hanging around and Michael shooing her away. Yeah. All right. Moving on, who's next? Um, uh, let's. I yeah, I mean, I think Amanda Peter shit is the other big stuff. It's just so boring. Yeah. I have it, no idea what's going on there. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know if I've missed something, or it's just so convoluted that I don't understand. I will say I don't really get the. Who's on the board of what thing that's got Amanda in the middle of all this shit with um, Bobby's Cable Company? I don't really get Alicia's endgame at all with Peter. Um, I don't. I, I don't care. Well, okay. Since we're there, I mean, Alicia essentially finds out that Peter has been lying to her the whole time, and yes, yes Peter's dad is dead, but he, I guess, died of natural causes, and it wasn't because of the Parisies. Uh, yeah, there was no connection. Peter was coming up with a fake backstory to give Ali- like to give Alicia his motive for going after her coworker and friend. And so, essentially, Alicia then blackmails him into marrying her. Why would she want to marry him? That's my question. I don't get it. Like, he does this, and he does this terrible thing, and he lies to you, and he uses you, 
And now you're angry and you're like, well, I'm going to show you, you have to marry me now. Right. What? Maybe. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No. Is this before no. or after they lick the envelope together? No, that was in the beginning. <laughs> oh my God, I completely forgot about the envelope licking. Very suggestive. <laughs> oh my God, I completely forgot the envelope licking scene. That was terrible. Yep. He licks half, and then Alicia licks the other half of the envelope that they sealed together. Oh, my God, and that's... Ooh, racist. I know, and at that point, I was like, aren't they afraid of COVID-19? What are they doing? Mm. There was a time before, hard to believe. Yeah. What, when we had a mail system? (laughs) And so, and that was also... And that was also where Alicia basically has, like, this this crisis of conscience about what they're doing with Bobby. And then she's basically like, I would feel better if you married me. And Peter was like, of course I will. I will marry you when this is all over. And then she finds out that this whole thing is made up and she's been used. And she's basically like, I'm going to hold a gun to your head and force you to marry me. And I'm still going why would you do that? And why wouldn't you like, just like take your cable company and go off and be a mogul. And also back out of setting Bobby up. Yeah. Why would you do all of those things rather than enter a sham marriage with this guy you've known for two minutes or just set Bobby up anyway. And then, you know, reap the spoils. But I guess my question is why would Alicia have a problem with Bobby? If she knows that Peter is full of lies. Well, why would she do what she did for Bobby in the first place? To Bobby in the first place. Because it had to, you know, I I kind of, I guess I'm giving them some latitude there. Because, you know, it had to have been more than just because she thought that Peter was dashing and wanted to hook up with him. Well, I thought it was because... Peter's story made it sound like Bobby was really more of a bad guy than she thought. And between that and blind love for Peter, that was enough for her to be like, yeah, fuck this. Fuck this guy. But once she knows the truth about Peter's lies, that sort of erases any doubt about Bobby. But was it Bobby's fault that he... he, Did he make it out to be Bobby's fault about his dad? Or was it just the Parisi family in general? It was the Parisi family. So, again, if you sort of believe that Bobby had been, like, trying to distance himself from his dad and everything else, like, I don't know that you would necessarily look at Bobby askance simply because of that. No, I don't know either. So, I'm like, once you realize you can't trust Peter, just kick Peter to the curb and then stop being involved in any of this. Or Peter's, what's Peter's motivation? He just wants Amanda back. Yeah, he, he just wants, wants to, Amanda back. Okay, that's what wants, I thought. He wants to humiliate Bobby and get him out of the way and get Amanda back. Also, I don't understand. Are the, is the hit still out on Amanda from the previous? <laughs> oh no, that's Dawn. No, no, no. They just decided they're not gonna kill her. Like, yeah, no, she's the cash cow of the show. So no, they can't kill her off. <laughs> they have already forgotten about Jack Parisi. Pretty soon, they will forget that she has this fake past in Florida. Um, we just move on and we forget. We have amnesia. We like all Michael have Wonder. amnesia, like everybody else and you know, 80s evening soaps. We all have amnesia. Um, so yeah, so what was in that envelope, by the way, that they were licking was the photo of Bobby shaking hands with a senator. 
Yeah, right. So this is when the big, you know, thing, the scandal explodes. Right. And so they basically send the photo off to a news organization, TV News, um, and that's where it's going to sort of like blow the lid off the story. And I guess that as soon as the news organization got the photo, they were like, we're going to run with this because of this photo that made absolutely no sense. Because did they put anything in there, like pictures of those supposed checks that were written out ages ago that she post-dated or predated or whatever she did with the checks? No, I think it was just the ones of them, like, cavorting together at the party to suggest a relationship. Right, which is just stupid. And any, you know, I mean, the whole thing was just stupid. Um, but but that gets into the hands of uh, this news organization just at the same time that Peter is finding out that Amanda is in position number one on the cable company board of directors, which means that not only did Peter set up Bobby, he inadvertently set up Amanda to take the fall for this thing. Indeed. So he tries to double back. Yeah. To no yeah, and to no avail. The news guy is like, this is a story of a lifetime and I'm running with it. He got a photo in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> story of a lifetime. Story of a lifetime. Photo it in the is mail. OJ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but now Peter is able to sweep in and fix everything with Amanda. Right. Well, we should also say that the shit hits the fan on the evening news right after Billy leaves Amanda and Bobby's house uh, in their robes. That it wasn't yes. just that they were like, you know, like getting the romance on. They were also going to watch the news. And that's when they find out. And that's when they find out. And they're both clearly blindsided. And Bobby is like, this isn't true. And Amanda looks shell-shocked. And, um, and the next day when she goes to D&D, it's like the paparazzi is swarmed on the office yeah like she's a kardashian yeah <laughs> and peter is the one that gets her out of there which is like absolutely hilarious because he like, all they do is take the stairs yeah they just take the yeah, stairs they just go downstairs <laughs> And I was like, and the photographers wouldn't follow them down the stairs. I mean, I guess all of a sudden D and D got security. I don't know. I don't. I don't believe. That. I don't think so. They come and go as they please in that building. <laughs> now let's also remember, like, how is how is Amanda not suspicious of this whole setup of Bobby in the first place? Because, you know, in the last episode, who didn't Peter say something about introducing Bobby to the senator? Of course. And Amanda was there for that moment and for that party when the photo was taken. And so she's not sitting there going, hmm, something's not sitting right here. And I think Bobby's being set up. No, she's automatically like, he's a criminal and he got me suckered into this thing. Well, I don't blame her. He comes from a criminal family. It's believable. Yeah, if I, I, I think if I were Amanda, I would start questioning things, but maybe not immediately because you're so taken aback by the scandal itself. But I think she does start asking more questions soon. Okay, because she needs to, because this is just, I mean, you know, she's, she's, she, and she's falling, she's falling back on Peter very, very quickly. Quickly, yes. That would raise more suspicion to me than anything else, that he's there to catch her. At her company when she falls, when he has, you know, surgeries to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. He's a very busy man. I mean, it's like every time he goes to the office, though, there's nobody there. It's like he's never seen mm-hmm. patients. No, he's never. But he did do surgery last week. Yeah, the only that, time the only time he's ever seen a patient was that one time Sid busted in on the surgery. Yeah, and she was every, in his sterile, his sterile yeah, space. Sterile field. Yeah, yeah. Sterile field. Every week, Doug and I are like, no one who writes for this show has ever worked in a hospital or ever worked in an office because people come and go as they please. You could just walk right into surgery. Yeah, Mancini and uh, what's Burns or Burns and Mancini. I don't think they've ever had a patient in that office. Yeah. They don't even have an examination room. Yeah, it looks like a law office. It yeah. does. <laughs> it does. Okay. So, I mean, is that kind of it? Like, I, I don't know. I know there's a little bit more um, because Peter and Amanda meet with that agent about like her connection to Bobby and being on the board and they coerce her or try to, to testify against him. And then Amanda comes back. She's in Peter's office, right? Peter's alone in the medical office. That doesn't look like a medical office. And Amanda comes in um, and, and like Peter basically like pledges his allegiance to her. Um, and, and Alicia sees them hugging, right? Wait, does Alicia see them hugging? It's, yeah, I think she sees them hugging in the office and then turns around. And then there's a a scene after that where Peter goes to Amanda in Melrose Place at her apartment. Because that's right before drunk Billy shows up with the champagne. And it's basically like Peter's just making an all-out play for Amanda and just, like, doing it all behind Alicia's back. But by the end of the episode, I believe Alicia is onto him. Okay, because I know that he is now trying to place the blame on Alicia with Amanda. Yes. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's doing a, a, a big pivot. Yeah. Right, because Bobby thinks it was his dad setting him up. Now yeah. we've got Daddy Parisi. But Peter is now trying to sort of convince Amanda that, that he thinks it's Alicia. And, um, and, and Peter is going to, you know, basically save the day there. And also yeah. get rid of Alicia. Yeah, again... It's maybe not the most convoluted storyline that I've ever watched, but it is the most fruitless that I think I have ever sat through yeah. on a show. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really kind of terrible. Yeah. But I find that with every one of Peter's storylines that none of them really make sense because he's always where he shouldn't be to me. Like, I, he never really feels like a natural addition to any storylines or any sort of really, like... I don't know what he had to do with Kimberly or like D and D with Jasmine Guy and now this. It's like they just put him in to these situations that make no sense. I totally agree. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. They kind of wedge him into things because otherwise he would sort of be like the straight version of Alan. <laughs> right? But he's like but he's like an authority on everything, but it's like aren't you a surgeon? Like what do you have how could you have any knowledge of anything else but surgery? But can we just give props to Jack Wagner because he is living this character and he is so phenomenal and so charismatic and you know it's like you know I feel bad because his storyline is so terrible and you know, and this character is so bizarre 
And yet Jack Wagner is just giving it his all. And he is I, like, he is phenomenal. It's not like watching, you know, Andrew Shue flailing around yeah. and mugging for the camera. Do you feel that way, Alyssa? What? The Jack Wagner is very good. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's, he handles himself well with what he's given. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he wears the character really well. I wasn't sure if you agreed. I was just thinking about, this is kind of going in a different direction, but I was, like, thinking about, like, why did they make him a surgeon in the first place? I guess to save Amanda from her 24-hour cancer, but, like, I don't know, they could have made him any other sort of professional that would have made more sense for what he does. Well, I think he needed to show up to be Michael's foil in, yeah. in, in, right. in the very first in the very first his introduction and the only way to be Michael's foil was to be the chief of staff. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's right. So I think that's how he ended up being saddled with being a doctor. Um, but I do think that the show should have been more creative with figuring out how to involve him in these different lives, um, without, without making him so, Like, without giving him these, like, really ridiculous storylines that that make no sense. I agree. And one way that could have happened is if they had him move into Melrose Place. True. Right. We haven't seen his apartment since, I guess, he was sleeping with Amanda. Didn't he have, like, a leopard comfort? He had, like, some ridiculous bed sheets, too, didn't he? Oh, back, like, in the Jasmine Guy era? Yeah, yeah. He did, but now she does. Um, like yeah, I mean, I know. I think we have we have seen his house in this season because when Kimberly was living there and like breaking her hand in the George Foreman grill and stuff, that was at his house. But um, it's been a while, and again, like yes, it makes him really truly an outlier. But also, I um, wanted to say, you know, we've asked a couple times. Oh, was it like a big deal to get Anne Marie Johnson to play Alicia Barnett? And I was like, I knew her from stuff, but not really. But I did forget when you asked before, she was on the show, the TV adaptation of In the Heat of the Night. Um, and she was the wife of the main character, the one who's uh, that that Howard Rollins played. That was the Sidney Poitier mm-hmm. role in the movie. Right. And she was on that show for like five of its nine seasons or six of its nine seasons. So... I don't think she was a name, but she was more identifiable probably than some of their other like long-term guest stars. Yeah, that makes sense because they give her a special guest star yeah. credit. And I mean, Alicia Barnett herself, it's they reintroduced her like she really held any weight in the fir- in the yeah. first place. Like I forgot who she was. It was like, "Oh yeah, now she's doing this law as opposed to Whatever she was, you know, right. whatever she was doing in the first place. Um, yeah, they just threw her in like, oh, wow. Like she was more important than Wanda from season one. Oh, perish the thought. <laughs> but yeah, um, I do think that's the end of the Amanda Peter Bobby stuff for this week though so we can we can move on to jane which includes my favorite moment of the episode (laughs) it's please tell me it was the really really bad fashion show 
Yeah. What else do you think it is? Oh, my God. Okay. Can we just first of all say that Richard and Joe deserve each other because Joe is creative directing that thing. And that was all her idea. Joe is such an idiot. She used to be my my favorite character. She was cool. Remember, didn't she ride a motorcycle? She is just so dumb. Yeah. No one makes worse decisions than she does. Um, so I just I have to start by saying that she's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Who's like puts fire in a in enclosed space? Well, apparently, uh, I guess I, she talked to the fire marshal and they said okay. I mean, it was it was absolutely stupid and. How did they pull it off so quickly? Oh, was, I know. It was like the big fashion show was happening the next day, and she's like, I have a thought. Again, the time warp. It, the time warp. I know. I don't even know why I'm asking about the timing, because it's the time warp. Um, that is, what is her role? She's the creative director now of well, Richard Hart Designs, because... Yeah, I mean, she's more than a photographer and less than CEO. So she's like, she's like VP, creative director, I don't know, backstage, Joey, I don't know. Like, she really is helping run the whole show. I guess uh, Melrose Place, you could be anything you want to be from week to week. Which is how she's able to drive that Mercedes. Or was it a BMW, one of those, yeah. Kind of amazing, because could you imagine if real life worked like that? Like, one day you're just like, you just wake up and you're like, you know what? I feel like being a surgeon today. I'm just going to go mosey on over to the hospital and cut somebody (laughs) open. Well, Kimberly basically woke up one day and is like, I'm going to be a radio psychologist. So, yeah. Yeah, and then she parlayed that into an actual psychologist job. Yeah. It's amazing. It is pretty amazing. Would that that were be would be real life? What would you do if you were if you were able to pivot your career? Oh, I'd be a plastic surgeon. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, why not? And the money. I know it's the money. You'd, you'd make a pile of cash, Doug. What would you be? I'd be a, I'd be a chef. Really. Yeah. How fun. I'd love to, yeah, if I could just wake up and know how to cook everything, why not? Would you be a, sh- a chef or a celebrity chef? Of course a celebrity chef. Okay. All right. Okay. So when you guys wake up tomorrow, Alyssa, I expect you to rearrange Doug's face. <laughs> <laughs> and Doug, you can cook Alyssa a gourmet meal and air it on YouTube. No, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat to my heart's content. Then Alyssa is gonna do a tummy tuck on me. There we go. <laughs> uh, incidentally, I'm watching more Food Network than I ever have before, so I am actually learning more about both food and celebrity chefs thanks to my fiance here. So then you could totally do it. Well, yeah, except for the overhead that you need. Sure, yeah, right. You could totally do it. Yeah, but I, I mean, yeah. are they still airing those plastic surgery reality shows? Oh, botched! It's one of my favorite shows. Okay, so then Alyssa, just we watch w- a little bit more of that, and you can totally be a plastic surgeon. Yeah, the the new season started last night. We watched it. See, so you guys are all set. Yeah, in fact, it even had a couple like reality stars on it, so we well, were really connecting all the dots. I don't well, know about real- reality stars. Reality show people. People who've been on reality shows. Yeah. So, I mean, see, who even needs advanced degrees? It's, well, we've learned that for a while now, haven't we? Yeah. But um, 
But what would you do, Karen? Mm. I don't know, actually. This is a real tough one. Like, if I could just wake up tomorrow and just be like, I think I'll do this now and be really successful. Um, I'm actually not sure. Then maybe you're doing exactly what you want to be doing. I mean, <laughs> quite possibly. Quite That's possibly. That's amazing, if true. Yeah. Um, bizarre and, and weird. But, like, I, yeah. I would really have to think about that. Because I want to do something, like, where I would make a ridiculous amount of money, but not really have to work so hard. Mm. So you want to be an influencer? Yeah. No, actually, I think I want to be born into a real estate dynasty in New York. Oh, that's what I would like to be. For that's real. just what I want to do. Because then, like, if you do that, it's like, this is kind of like the when you rub the genie's bottle and you get the wish. And you've got to, like, really think hard about what you're wishing for. Because then, like, you can sort of, like, you have enough money and enough of a safety net where you can just, like, go off and, like, do stupid things. Yeah, I would love to do that. And I could just, you know, have endeavors, quote unquote. Yes, have endeavors. That's exactly yeah. it. Where you can just like flounce around to this thing and that thing. And you can have pet projects and you can like fail all the time. And it doesn't even matter. Because yeah, it doesn't cost you anything. It really doesn't cost because you've just got like, you're just sitting on a pile of money. You'll be an entrepreneur. That's exactly. Right. Like just That's this right. random. So what do you do? Like, I love those, like, people that go on podcasts, like, business podcasts, and they're like, so what do you do? And they're like, I'm an entrepreneur. Well, and online- like, that's great. But what does that mean? You're an entrepreneur. Like, that means, like, you sit in your mom's basement? Like, what does that mean? And on, like- on the internet? Like, what does it mean? What do you do? On a lot of the housewives shows, their husbands are entrepreneurs. So Doug and I are always like, oh, no, that one has a job we could see, and that one's an entrepreneur, because it's so, like, what what do you do? Yeah, where does your money come from? Yeah. Right. How do you pay for this to start? Yeah. Because nobody pays people to just be entrepreneurs. Like, they have to be doing something in business to be an entrepreneur, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The money has to come from somewhere. Like, if so you're either, an entrepreneur, there's Either a you've earned it or you have it. Yeah. Right? That's what Peter Burns is. We figured it out. He's an entrepreneur. He's an entrepreneur. With a medical degree. With a medical degree. With a sterile field. See what happens. You put enough work into it. You can figure it out, which is why Alyssa is going to wake up and do a tubby tuck on Doug tomorrow. (laughs) See how easy this is? Okay. We figured it out. So, Karen, all you have to do is figure out your dream. I know. Well, no, it's going to be, well, my dream is going to be hard to achieve. Is there a really wealthy real estate family in New York that wants to adopt me <laughs> and hand over a couple billion dollars? I'm here. You don't know if you don't ask. I know. I'm here. I'm waiting. Okay. So, so. So, yeah, Jane is still freaking out about her stolen designs. Right. Um, so, Jane had a day, basically, to design all the pieces for her fashion show. And apparently, Superwoman Allison also knows how to sew. And she's going to come back after her hard day, you know, after re- reading all about... After aviation history. Her aviation history. You know, when they were handing out the... When Billy was handing out the aviation history binders, I was like, Allison, how are you going to do this? You're supposed to be sewing for Jane tonight. Like... 
<laughs> um, but, but basically Jake saves the day and muscles his way into, um, well, he doesn't muscle, he kind of sneaks in, uh, to M- Richard Hart's office and basically says to Joe, you owe this to Jane to like, get me some seamstresses and that can like help her tonight. Was I the only one who was surprised by how that scene went down? Because I thought he was going to like, I don't know, do something more sinister, steal their designs, steal back Jane's designs. Because you see him in the parking lot. He's trying to avoid Richard. He's kind of being, you know, he's hiding. And then he just goes in and he's like, I need people who can sew. And I was like, oh, that's it? Yeah, I thought there would be more of a confrontation there or he was going to try and like, I don't, you know, I don't know if he would sabotage, sabotage maybe. Yeah, like slice them up, throw paint on them, whatever it was that he would have done. But no, he does go in there and he just is like, just give me some, some cutters and sewers that can help Jane with her, with her designs. Um, Because the clock is ticking. And, you know, Joe decides that she's definitely, she's going to help him, even though she must be busy herself because she literally came up with the fashion show com- <laughs> concept and has to execute it in less than 24 hours. Indeed. And build yes. it. And build it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so it's like from, like, it doesn't exist because Richard hasn't signed off on it until, like, that moment. And so she, she has 24 hours to pull this together, probably less than amazing. I mean, everyone is basically like Cinderella getting ready for the ball. <laughs> yes. So we can just throw it out there because at this point, like, Jane, like, rushes. There are, you know, she does get the seamstresses, the cutters, the sewers in to do her line. And she gives up because she just doesn't think that it's any good. I know. She squanders all of Allison's hard work. Yeah. Yeah, and she basically, like, pushes the the dress dummies down and is very angry. Yeah. I will say this. If her best designs were on Richard's models, she should probably also think about what she wants to do. <laughs> I mean, I thought they were cute, but they weren't, um, you know, fashion week. I mean, they were very leopard print. I mean, they were the kind of dresses that you see that are like made of spandex and they're kind of like hustler hollywood like you know those catalogs that you get have you guys have you ever like had i don't know sometimes i'll order something i don't know and i end up on these mailing lists i one time i ended up on this mailing list and i was like what is this and then i was like but i couldn't like not like I always like the catalog would come and I'd be like, I can't wait to dig into this because the, the dresses were so outrageous and awful. And it was like spandex, skin tight, short skirts, lots of boobage going on. And <laughs> like it was it was like basically like stripper clothes. Mm. And that's what I felt like Jake Jane was designing. Yeah, I mean, they're, I'm watching this show and they're, you know, it started last week. Jane was talking about all the impressive new fabrics that have been coming from Asia in the last year. And it just looks like they raided Halle Berry's wardrobe from the Flintstones movie. Well, funny you mentioned the Flintstones because that's exactly what Joe's um, fashion show reminded me of. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what it looked like. Yeah. And and the fashion show, though, like, punctuated that. Because wasn't there an episode of the Flintstones where they went to Hawaii? Was there? I feel like there was. I have to ask Google now. You know, Alyssa, your dad would know this, I feel like. Yeah, let's call him. Okay. <laughs> Did the Flintstones go to Hawaii? Um, yes. Because Wilma and Betty enter a contest for an all-expense-paid trip to Rakiki Beach in Hollywood. Oh, no kidding. Yes, so they do. It's a Hawaiian escapade uh, from 1962. That was the year. So they did go to Hawaii. A trip to to meet TV star Larry Lava. Yes. So do I know my Flintstones? I also don't know where leopard print comes in with a volcano in the first place. I don't know. It was... Because they're like caveman equals mountains equals volcano or something. I don't know. You'd have to ask Joe. And the fire eater in the yeah. beginning, yeah. right? So Joe has... How much were you, like, on the floor when you first saw this scene? I can't. <laughs> Joe's concept is basically a Polynesian island with a volcano, and they bring out a Polynesian man, a Hawaiian man, I guess, to twirl fire and eat fire and do all of this stuff with with a tiki torch essentially and i was kind of like horrified yet in awe all at the same time (laughs) yeah like how quickly did they hire that guy to what she like know somebody who knew somebody who breathed fire like you came up with the concept the night before. Yeah, well, it's Hollywood. I mean, central casting, right? I mean, it was like mm-hmm. she just, like, plucked this guy out. And, well, you know, and also, I guess, hired somebody from a TV show that was on hiatus to build the <laughs> the, the fire-breathing volcano and, you know, all the tiki to- torches that were on fire. And it, there was a whole lot of fire there. Maybe Alan helped out. Maybe there's a deleted scene. <laughs> That's it. We're, we have a deleted scene. We need to find that deleted scene. Um, so, yeah, so her concept is, and, and by the way, we should also mention, Jane cancels her own fashion show and goes to Richard's, and she drags Jake with her, and Jake looks like he would rather be anywhere but at this fashion show. Um, because And she's drinking a lot of champagne. Remember the last time Jane drank a lot of champagne? did not end well for her. No, it did not. Or Michael. No. But now she's back at it. She's drinking a lot of champagne and she's getting angrier and angrier as she watches her, her the models come down the catwalk wearing her hustler designs. Yeah. Yeah. And she's trying to take the high road. And that can only last for so long. Yes. And then she sneaks backstage, I guess it's some sort of offstage backstage, and notices that there's a sprinkler system for the venue, and uh, there's a, so there's a sprinkler in the ceiling, a tiki torch that's lit right next to her, and nobody's around. And so she takes the tiki torch, and she holds it under the sprinkler head, and the rain just basically pours down. All over. It's amazing. And Jake is just sitting there alone looking around like, oh, crap. 
And Richard comes running out onto the runway, falls on his ass. <laughs> and, and then, and then this is my most favorite part of the whole thing is they show Jane from overhead and she's just like basking in it. She opens her mouth and like, just like lets the water fall. And she looks just like Tim Robbins when he escaped from prison <laughs> in the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> Yeah, basically, that's exactly what she did. But my favorite part of the episode was Richard running out and telling everybody to stay, slipping and landing on his ass. And I was wondering if that was an accident that they kept in. Oh, I don't know. You know what? I thought it was because Patrick Muldoon is so terrible. I don't think think you can get that from him without it being an accident. You know, every now and then we see him on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because he's friends with Denise Richards, who's on it. Um, and and so we see him now versus then. How does he look now? He kind of terrible. Yeah, but he seems like an all right guy. I mean, he's awful. Yeah. He's, his acting is so bad. He makes Andrew Shue look like Paul Newman. He's awful. <laughs> he's, like so, he's so unconvincing. But he had, what did he do before Melrose that he was kind of, like, because I remember when he came on, he was kind of a bit of a sensation, too, because people knew who he was. Uh, Days of Our Lives. And it was all from days? It was all from daytime soap? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, like, a huge amount of fanfare, but, yeah, that was his big thing. Okay. And what did he do after, did he ever, did he go back to daytime, or did he do other nighttime soaps? I don't think he did other nighttime soaps. I know years later he's come back two days of our lives a few times. Well, he did. Um, he's also in the Starship. He was in the Starship Troopers movie, which didn't do anything for him. Um, he yeah, he does like Hallmark the, movies, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he does the Hallmark movies. Yeah, yeah he did one yeah, with like, like Richards, I think, like this Christmas season. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I could see that. That makes sense. I, I really need to, like, get the Hallmark Channel next Christmas. What, I to mean, watch Patrick I, Muldoon? Yeah, yeah, because I've got to see what all of this is about. I've got to see these movies. I can't. I, like, can't bring myself to watch these things. I'm sure I could get into them if I sat down and watched them, but... Like, I just am so curious. And so many people just want to watch them. Like, it's just, it's like a thing. I know. And so I'm just... movies in general. I I don't... I, like, I don't understand it. It's, like, it's a thing, and it's just exploded in the past, like, two years, I feel like. And so I just kind of... It's kind I don't know. It kind of... It kind of feels like QVC to me. I don't know why. Oh, I love QVC. But anytime (laughs) I think about, like, the Hallmark Channel and the Christmas movies, and then all of a sudden my brain automatically goes to QVC. Maybe it's, like, the Christmas tie-in. Could be. I mean, QVC, they do Christmas in July, and they, like, never really stop doing Christmas for the whole year. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. um, So, wait, did I have it wrong? Did the episode end with this or did it end with you mean this storyline yeah well no the whole episode did this storyline wrap up the episode yeah or did no billy it was billy that wrapped yeah 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 there's only one scene in the final segment after the last commercial break and that's just jane leaving her apartment and hearing richard blame joe and that's that's all that that's left after the night of the volcano 
Okay, because it just seems like that would have been the better one to end. Right? Don't you think? Yeah, it's yeah. the way the Billy storyline ends the episode is atypical uh, because they usually have, like, you know, their big reveal, the most climactic thing, like, the storyline that really bears the most fruit going into the next episode, and Billy is none of those things. Right. Um, but but it's like if if it were a different kind of show and he were a different kind of actor, that would be Billy's Emmy submission because just from start to finish, it's him. Um, but because it's Melrose Place and because it's Andrew Shu, <laughs> that was never in question. Uh, well, there we go. So there you have it. Another episode discussed. What do you guys Wait. think? Are you? I, I mean, I'm very curious if listeners are ready to give up on the on on Melrose because I have to say, hopefully not on us. No, don't give up on us because I have to say there are some weeks where I'm just like, I don't know if I can do this. And actually, my kid asked me today. She's like, Well, are you? Because we were talking about it, and she or yesterday or something like. Because I was watching the episode, I can't remember if it was yesterday or today. All the days are just bleeding. It's like now. It's like we are the Melrose Place time warp in real life. <laughs> um, you know, she's like, Well, are you enjoying them? And I was like, Honestly, no. Like this season has been so. It's been a slog. Yeah, Alyssa, I might, I'll let you answer. I, I guess it doesn't help that the seasons are so long. So, I mean, the characters change like four times within a season. You know, we talked about, I think, everything what you said about Kimberly. I mean, she blew up Melrose Place, was in a psych ward, was in prison, became a radio psychologist went to me- went back to medical school to become a real psychologist. I mean, that all ha- happened this season, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it That's feels, all within it, 22 weeks. Yeah, it feels sort of exhausting cuz the seasons are so long. Um I still I have fun. I still have fun watching it. I think, you know, Doug and I sort of laugh at it sometimes and and that's what makes it fun, but I could definitely see what Karen is saying. Um but at the same time like like not to diverge too much, but like Doug and I are trying to catch up on Riverdale, so we we watched that all day today, and like I feel the same way about that. It's like they embrace their campiness, but sometimes it's like, oh my god, this is I can't believe they're saying this. You know what I mean? Like I can't believe they're being so earnest, but it's still fun. Okay, I give. I, I you know what? I really liked Riverdale's first episode, and I never went beyond it. There is just so much to watch. We know because we're trying to tackle it all. And piece by piece, piece by piece, we are getting there. Um, So preview of things to come, perhaps, uh, on Hollywood Boulevard, everyone. But yeah, I I really remember these specific episodes that we're in with a lot of distaste. And going back and watching them again, I still feel like, you know, they're kind of failing at what Melrose Place used to be doing better. But... They're also not quite as bad as I remember them because I'm watching with low expectations and, um, like, there's always one highlight or two in there, whether it's Sid doing something crazy or Jane lighting the show on fire or something like that. For me, I I remember the biggest problem being Billy post-Brooke 
And it's really Amanda Peter Bobby is the big problem for these episodes. That's what's really stopping them dead in their tracks. Yeah. And they're just, the fact that they're not using enough of Michael and Sid, who are still around, is also, I think, a big head scratcher. Yeah, Sydney hasn't had, I mean, I guess she had the storyline where she, Peter pimped her out, but she really hasn't had her own storyline in, I don't even know how long. Like, I thought the her suing them for sexual harass, harassment might go somewhere. And then that was resolved in a minute. Resolved in a minute. It, she really has nothing to do but dress up like little orphan Annie. <laughs> well, yeah, and she's the fun one to watch, really, because even when they give her lemons, like you know, Laura Leighton just makes lemonade out of it, and she is always, you know, no matter how ridiculous they make Sid, I am there for that ride. Yeah, yeah, I and you know I agree, and it's just a shame because like. The last season, like, she got kidnapped once, then she was in the cult and buried <laughs> in the bo- I mean, like, we don't have any of that this season, and that's a, that's a shame. Right. I mean, especially since, like, now Michael has kicked her to the curb. Like, let's give her something really fun to do to try and win him back. Yeah, Actually. like, like the fun thing was watching her and Kimberly when she was in therapy, which was so preposterous, it was great. But again, all that was doing was reminding you of their history from seasons two and three. Well, she's another one that it's like she really doesn't she lists right out because she only really interacts with Michael and Peter these days. Yeah, she's not even connected to Jane right now. Right, right. She needs more friends. Yeah, I'll be her friend. I'll totally be her friend. Well, there we go. All right. So we're going to head on over to Hollywood Boulevard. Um, You guys should come join us over there. Yeah, please follow us, and please stay healthy, and since you're home, please give us a five-star review, uh, especially now that you've heard my Buttercup join us again as special Aww. guest star. So, yeah, give us that five stars, because, like, what else are you doing all day anyway? Seriously. <laughs> all right, guys, we will um, see you over on the boulevard. Thank you. Bye. Bye.